All right, good evening. Welcome to our evening service uh, here at Long Hill Baptist Church in Trumbull, Connecticut. I'm glad that uh, you've chosen to be with us tonight and um, pray that God will work uh, here uh, in the message tonight. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Uh, give you the passage first. That'll be Psalm chapter 5 as we uh, continue our trip kind of back through the Psalms, looking at some of the Psalms that we did not look at. Uh, in our recent series. Psalm 5 tonight. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, uh, for um, your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you for the, the service we had this morning with brothers and sisters in Christ coming to worship you and uh, taking time to encourage one another in love. Lord, thank you. Father, I'm encouraged by that, and I thank you so much for that. Lord, I can only imagine tonight how much you must be encouraged by that. Lord, I pray tonight that you just help us to be in the business of pleasing you, uh, being a blessing to you. Lord, of course, tonight we acknowledge that uh, that's a big part of our purpose. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for you, and I uh, thank you tonight that uh, you've shown that to us in your word. Lord, what a joy it is to live for you, to, to serve you, to have the amazing opportunity to serve uh, our God, to serve a risen Savior who died for us. Lord, thank you so much for that tonight. Thank you for the privilege. I thank you for uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you uh, for those who took special time today, extra time, to be an encouragement to one another. Uh, thank you for uh, some who took a, a good amount of time to uh, serve you here at the church today and, and others who are back here tonight doing just that. Lord, I pray that you'll work here tonight in this time. Uh, build us up in your words, Lord. Grow our faith, Father. Teach us uh, from your words tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in uh, Psalm uh, 5 tonight, and it seems to be part of the Psalms that relate to this same time uh, historically that we've been looking at. Uh, Absalom has deposed David. Of course, we understand God allowed that, uh, but, but having allowed that, David has been able to uh, demonstrate to us a great faithfulness, Brother Ray, a great prayerfulness and a great faithfulness in the face of great adversity. And that's a great example for us tonight. It's a reminder uh, for us that in Christ, we can do the same. Um, we have the uh, advantage that David did not of the permanent indwelling of the Spirit of God uh, to aid us in that regard. We can stay faithful. We can stay prayerful. We can say, stay worshipful uh, even in the face of great adversity, uh, in the face of great trials. So we've seen that morning psalm, uh, Psalm uh, chapter 3, and the, the evening psalm, Psalm chapter 4, and Seems like we're, we're anticipating the next morning now. It seems to me that uh, these could very likely be chronological psalms in, the, in uh, David's experience of having uh, fled away necessarily from Absalom and, uh, and Jerusalem and um, looking to the Lord for not only um, his emotional needs, um, spiritual, practical uh, emotional needs, but the practical ones as well. There we go. Not only the not only the practical protection that he needed, but the comfort and spiritual care that he needed as well. And before we're done here, we'll see that David, who has 
experienced God's care really in every way um, has the same heart uh, for those around him, uh, really a, a shepherd's heart. Having experienced the comfort of, of his shepherd, uh, his, his heart turns back to people around him. And, you know, that takes us right back to where we began the day today in 1 John chapter 3, uh, where we've seen so much about God's love for us and then his call to respond back to that by demonstrating love not only for the Lord, but for each other. We're reminded this morning that even when that's hard, we can because of Christ. And because of Christ, we have the Spirit of God indwelling us, bring forth that love uh, through us. It's not us, it's, it's the Lord in us. And that's all made possible by Christ. So uh, we'll see here uh, tonight in Psalm 5, David is still dealing with very practical aspects of his trial. Uh, he's praying and uh, he'll pray against his enemies. And, you know, that's, that's not an ungodly, unbiblical thing. Um, I understand tonight that there, there's an appropriate time for demonstrating love toward enemies. Uh, but when, uh, when your enemy is coming at you and, and seeking to destroy you, there's, there's a time that's practical and, and appropriate to pray for protection, uh, even the destruction of enemies, uh, if, if God would will that, if, if God would desire that. And so David prays about his enemies to the Lord, and we'll see here tonight in that he's, I believe he's really taking, he's not, he's not just gossiping about how horrible they are to the Lord. He's, he's taking his concern about the wickedness of his enemies uh, to the Lord in prayer and leaving it there. And then he's asking the Lord to protect him from these same enemies and leaving that need in God's hands, trusting that God hears his prayer, that God will deal with the enemies as God sees best fit. And David found great comfort as he gave these uh, concerns and needs over to the Lord. You've seen that in Psalm 3 and Psalm 4, and we see some of the same together with some additional ideas uh, here in Psalm 5 tonight. Let's read the Psalm. We'll come back, we'll pray, we'll make some uh, observations. It's just uh, 12 verses tonight. So here uh, in Psalm 5, we have the title to the chief musician upon um, Nahaloth, uh, a psalm of David. David prays here, give ear, verse 1, to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. He says, hearken unto the voice of my cry. Then this wonderful phrase, my king and my God, for unto thee will I pray. He says in verse 3, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning. He's got that confidence. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. That's an important truth. Verse 5, he says, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. We'll come back and look at that verse. That's, that's a difficult uh, verse, but we'll, we'll consider that. Verse 6, he continues, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. That's dishonesty or falsehood. The Lord will abhor um, the bloody and deceitful man. Verse 7, David says, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Verse 8, he prays, lead me, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. 
Make thy way straight before my face. Show me your way, Lord. Verse 9, he says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth, his enemies. Uh, Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher, a burial place, uh, not a good place at all. Uh, They flatter with their tongue, and of course, that's not a good thing either. David prays this imprecatory prayer, this prayer against his enemies now in verse 10. He prays, Lord, destroy thou them. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. God, you know, they've, they've rebelled against you. David prays that the Lord will deal with them as people who've rebelled against the Lord. That's not wrong. Verse 11, he says, but let all those that put their trust in thee. See the word with me here. Uh, we saw it in the 11 o'clock hour also. Rejoice. He says, but let all those that put their trust in thee uh, rejoice. Rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Praise God that, that he's a great protector. He says, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Praise God that we have much to rejoice about and much to rejoice in. He says, verse 12, for thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor will thou compass him as with a shield. Tonight we see David's faithfulness in the face of adversity, his continued uh, faithfulness, his faithfulness to be faithful, if you will, in the face of great ongoing adversity. That's absolutely relevant to us tonight. Uh, we, are, we are facing all sorts of trials, all, all kinds of uh, adversity. Uh, David, David knew some things about that kind of a situation, and yet he was able to stay faithful, to stay prayerful, and to stay worshipful, and to keep his eyes upon the Lord And having done that, he did well emotionally and spiritually, and he found a practical protection in the Lord as a blessing, as a blessing for that choice. Uh, David's faithfulness in the face of adversity tonight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you tonight for uh, this short psalm, a song that teaches great truth. Lord, I understand it records uh, literal history, Uh, It's set in a literal historical context. Lord, I understand tonight these ultimately are your words uh, that you've given to David, but also words that David prayed as you gave them, as he yielded to you. Uh, He prayed these words. Lord, I thank you tonight for uh, this example, this model of responding to adversity, this model for uh, what we should do when we're facing really difficult situations. Lord, we may feel at times, and we do feel at times, that I just, I can't stay faithful, I can't stay prayerful, I can't stay worshipful, Uh, but we can, we know we can, because David did. And of course, Christ did as well in the face of his own adversity. And Father, I thank you tonight that it's because of Christ that we can too. Uh, We can respond the same way Uh, that David did and that Christ did because of Christ working in us, because of the Spirit of God that that indwells us as people who have placed our faith in Christ and uh, who have now been regenerated and indwelt 
by the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray tonight that uh, we would see here um, a heart, a heart to keep our eyes on you when things are hard, uh, when, when things are tough. Uh, Lord, that we would take up the example and the way that you've made for the example to be lived in your strength, in your power, not in our own. Lord, help us tonight. Help me tonight uh, to bring your words clearly. I pray tonight they'd be a great encouragement, a great encouragement. I pray that our hearts would be to be instructed by you in your words tonight uh, for our benefit, yes, but ultimately for your pleasure and for your glory. Lord, I love you. Help me now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. I don't have to ask you tonight if you're going through a hard time. We all are. Uh, it is a hard time. It's, uh, it's been a time of, of great disunity in our country. And of course, church members struggle with uh, all the, 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 the election that we've been through and uh, potential harm to relationships if, as people take up different positions. And we have the coronavirus and we have financial struggles, uh, and perhaps more uh, threat of financial trials as we move into a new year. I don't know. That's, that's in God's hands. What I do know is that he's still in charge uh, and that we still can be faithful. We can stay prayerful and worshipful and keep our eyes on the Lord and trust him to get through this no matter what. Pastor, even if people turn against us like they turned against David, well, David did, and we can too, because we have the same God uh, that David had. And I'll say again tonight, we have the advantage over David <laughs> uh, that we are permanently indwelt by the Spirit of God. David did not have that uh, permanent blessing that we enjoy tonight, and yet we find here a man who was faithful in the face of adversity. How much more faithful... Uh, obedient, prayerful, worshipful, uh, should we be, can we be, uh, because of the Spirit of God who indwells us permanently tonight. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. See the psalm title tonight. Uh, I struggle to read it in my Bible. Uh, my eyes are not great tonight for some reason, but uh, it says to the chief musician, uh, for the purpose of worship at the tabernacle, you understand, uh, upon uh, Naaloth, Naaloth, the Psalm of David. So uh, in the last Psalm, we saw upon Naganoth, stringed instruments. Uh, Naaloth uh, would be wind instruments. The O-T-H ending is, uh, it's plural, so it's multiple instruments. Uh, uh, and it says a Psalm of David. This is the second of the first five Psalms that are called Psalms uh, here in the scripture. And uh, just a quick reminder tonight, I think you know this already, but a Psalm, literally is a song. It, the, the word, the underlying word, literally refers to instrumental music, and it's consistent with, isn't it, with the reference to instruments here. Uh, they're inspired poems that were set to music. Uh, there are markings in the Hebrew that some have understood to be music, and some have discerned systems for kind of correlating that to our uh, modern uh, way of understanding music. And when you play those markings that way, it sounds like structured music. So it is a distinct possibility that there is inspired music uh, in the Psalms, uh, in, in the markings that appear in, in the text. I, I don't know that I can say that for 100% sure, but uh, it, it seems to be a distinct possibility at least. In any event, we do know that these are inspired songs, they're poems uh, that were set to music and used for worship. 
so David's heart was that uh, what God had laid upon his heart would be an encouragement to brothers and sisters there in Israel uh, that as, as they went to worship there at the tabernacle, uh, that this, these same inspired poems, these songs uh, that we're going to draw encouragement from tonight would be used there at tabernacle uh, for that same purpose. And kind of a neat thing to think about, to reflect about that, you know, for these past thousands of years, uh, all the way back to the life of David, people have been worshiping and drawing encouragement uh, from these same inspired texts. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful truth uh, to reflect upon. Well, it's called the Psalm of David. It's of David and that he received the words and penned them down faithfully. Uh, and God has been faithful to preserve them as he promised in Psalm 12 uh, in other places. Well, see here, David opens this Psalm much like he has the last ones, uh, humbly asking God to hear him. Not saying, God, you better hear me. I'm, I'm a great man of God. You, you better, no. He's coming and he humbly says in the second part of verse one, he's praying humbly, give ear to my words, O Lord, O Lord, hear me please. Uh, consider my meditation. Not demanding that God hear him and answer him and answer him the way he wants, but humbly imploring God uh, to hear him as, as he cries out to God. Back in Psalm 4, David prayed, Hear me when I call, O Lord. And back in Psalm 3, David gave a testimony that the Lord heard him. So uh, multiple times we see David humbly asking God to hear him. And in some of those places, we find this wonderful testimony that God indeed did hear David. David had no doubt at all. Uh, and the Holy Spirit gave words that uh, David captured down, recording his testimony that, yes, indeed, God, God did hear him. What a joy tonight to know that the same God who heard David uh, way back in his day hears us tonight uh, when we cry out to him. What a joy. What an amazing truth. The same God that David humbly cried out to is the God that hears us tonight uh, and answers our prayers as as he sees fit. We saw this morning, uh, sometimes the Lord's willingness to answer prayer is conditioned upon our obedience to him. And so we see this principle that answers to prayer are sometimes God's way of blessing our obedience. David will at least hint at that tonight in Psalm 5 here uh, as well. Uh, that's good to keep in mind, by the way. Sometimes if you're praying and praying and uh, you feel like God's just not answering your prayer. Well, it could be that the answer is no, <laughs> or the, it could be that the answer is not now, or, or it could be that the Lord is, is saying, listen, I'm not able to bless you in that way because you've chosen to not live righteously, to not obey my words the way I've called you to. We really need to stop and get a hold of that idea. Sometimes God will answer prayer as a blessing for our obedience, for choosing to live righteously in, in his strength. And if God's not answering, uh, sometimes, you, you know, especially if there's conviction about some aspect of your life, you take a deep breath and pull back and say, Lord, help me uh, you know, to, to examine my heart, shine a light on it. Uh, Lord, convict me uh, anew, afresh, and give me a heart to put off the sin and put on obedience. Whatever it is you're convicting me about that you might be able to bless me with the answer to prayer that I'm seeking, um, Lord, please, uh, Lord, please. So, so we'll see that. Well, uh, in verse two, David again asks God to hear him. He worships the Lord as his king and his God. See verse two, he says, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my king, 
uh, and my God, for unto thee uh, will I pray. David said, he prays to the Lord. He says, Lord, uh, hear my voice, uh, my God, my, uh, I got it wrong in order, my king uh, and my God. Who's your king tonight? Uh, who is your God tonight? Yes, we have earthly leaders and uh, if the Electoral College ultimately uh, comes through on behalf of Mr. Biden, uh, we'll have a new president. I don't know if that'll be the case or not. It's, it's not yet a done deal. They're still counting votes. Uh, the Electoral College has not yet cast its votes. The, the Congress hasn't yet received those votes. Uh, I understand the media has made conclusions, but it's not a completely 100% done deal uh, tonight. But assuming that nothing changes, uh, we'll have a new ruler, a new, a new uh, civil governmental leader, a leader of the executive branch uh, in our country. Remember, please, we're called to pray for them no matter who they are, no matter what positions they advocate. You might say, especially if, if a man advocates positions that you feel are contrary to the word of God, uh, you probably should be especially faithful to pray for that man. Uh, take care tonight that we not be in the business of railing against leaders with whom we do not agree. That's sin. Uh, it is sin to rail against leaders with whom we do not agree. It's not sin to judge their positions to be wrong. It's not sin to um, respectfully express disagreement. Uh, it's not sin to teach others that a man or a woman's position is contrary to Scripture. But it is sin to rail against them in a disrespectful way, in an unkind, unloving way. Let's all keep that in mind, please. And let's also keep in mind that at the end of the day, regardless of who our civil leaders are, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who is our King and our God. At the end of the day, that's what matters the most. David says, hearken unto the voice of my cry, my king, uh, my God, for unto thee will I pray. Unto thee will I pray. Back in um, Psalm 84 and verse 3, the Bible says, yea, Psalm 84, verse 3, Psalm 84, verse 3, yea, the sparrow has found a house and the swallow, birds, a nest for herself where she may lay her young even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Who's your King tonight? Who is your God? Uh, is the Lord your King? Are you his subject? Do you recognize his authority and yield to it and obey it? Who's your God? Who is your God? You might say, well, pastor, of course, my King and my God is, is the Lord. It's, it's Christ, God the Father, God the Son. Uh, you might say, of course, but listen, it's, it's good to stop and ask, practically speaking, who is my king? Who is my God? Whom do I obey? Uh, do, if I'm being honest, do I find myself obeying my own lusts more than my God and my king? Uh, am I subject to uh, my lusts and their power uh, more than my God who is my king? Listen, tonight, that's just a question. That's just a question. Uh, if, 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 that, if it's a convicting question, uh, confess. Lord, I, I recognize tonight that in a, in a very real, very practical way, I've made myself, uh, my God, my King, more than you. 
Uh, I find myself living for myself more than my God and my king. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, making myself my God and my king more, more than my Lord. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I, I preach to myself as much as, as to anyone else and ask for your help uh, tonight. Psalm 10 and verse 16, just, just write that down, please. Psalm 10, verse 16 says, the Lord is king forever and ever. Praise God, he is. He's king forever and ever, and he's unchanging. Uh, he's the same as he ever was, and he will remain as he is now. He's king forever and ever. In Psalm 24 and verse 8, the Bible asks, who is this king of glory? The answer is given there. The answer is the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Yes, we are in a spiritual battle. We've talked about that already today. Uh, but the Lord is on our side, and he is indeed mighty in battle. Don't forget that. You may have all kinds of concerns tonight. Uh, you may have all sorts of concerns about the direction of our country and uh, other, other aspects of our lives. Remember, please, that if you're on the Lord's side, he's on your side. He's mighty in battle. Lord, help us to um, look to you for strength in the spiritual battles that we face. It's you, Lord, my King, my God, uh, who is mighty in battle. Well, as we've seen other places, uh, David's praying here. He's crying out to God and He's doing that with confidence that God would hear him. We've said that already tonight. See that in verse 3. He says, my voice, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, uh, O Lord. And he says again, in the morning, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee uh, and will look up. So I said before in context here, there's, I believe there is a chronology in Psalm 3, 4, and 5. Uh, there's a morning, an evening, a morning. I believe that's... Uh, that's clear here. Also find instruction here that we do very well uh, to begin our day in prayer, that we make it our um, habit to go to the Lord in prayer in the morning. It says, in the morning, O Lord, in the morning. Uh, how much better does your day go? And I know I've asked this question many times. How much better does your day go when you've begun your day in prayer? Uh, no doubt it, it goes a lot better. Helps you to uh, get your heart right, your mind right for the day. Uh, beginning your day in humble prayer helps you to uh, determine to put on um, your identity as a Christian, to put on the whole armor of God, uh, to uh, put on a purpose for the day, to live for the Lord Jesus Christ rather than yourself to live the day for the Lord rather than yourself. That changes things. That changes things. Uh, what great purpose we have. Um, you know, <laughs> if, you're, um, if you don't have the purpose of going out to work every day, uh, if you don't have uh, something to do each day, it, it can be hard to maintain a sense of purpose. Even if you do have something to do every day, even if you are able still to go out to work every day, uh, it, it's easy to lose sight of, uh, to lose hold of what our real purpose in this life is. Uh, may I say that this evening, 
whether you're able to go out <laughs> each day in, the, in face of corona, whether you have things that you're able to do or not, you have great purpose. Our purpose is not about the practical things uh, that we must do in life to get through this life uh, to the next life, but our purpose, yes, those things have to be done. There, you know, there's, there's a place for work and the practical things that have to happen. Of course, we understand that. But don't let those things become your purpose for being. Our purpose for being is living for the Lord and serving him and worshiping him and, and pleasing him uh, in all of these things. That's a fact. That's the truth. That's our purpose. Don't lose sight of your purpose. As a church member, you have great purpose. Uh, worshiping corporately and praying corporately and learning corporately and serving God corporately and sharing the gospel corporately and being involved in discipleship, whether it's formally or casually, and all of those things, so very important. We have great purpose. We have the purpose given to us by the God of, uh, of all things. <laughs> and we have the privilege to go to him in prayer and the confidence to know that he hears, uh, that he hears. Um, David says, my voice again, verse three, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer uh, and will look up uh, and, and will look up. Um, back in Psalm three, David said, I cried on the Lord with my voice and he heard me. Now get this thought down, please. In Psalm 66 and verse 18, just write the reference down. The psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. There again is this condition of answers to prayer, God hearing us and answering us, uh, there, there are conditions. Uh, there, there are conditions. First uh, John three and verse twenty-two, Bible says, "And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight." Um, John understood from the Spirit of God, who gave him those words, that. We receive answers to prayer as blessings for obedience. The psalmist in Psalm 66 understood from the Lord that we receive the blessing of God hearing our prayers uh, as a blessing, as a blessing for righteousness in our lives. If, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's the Bible actually says. That, that verse, Psalm 66, 18, um, is in the Bible. Lord, help us to not regard iniquity in our hearts. Help us to have clean hearts before you. Help us to be quick to confess sin, to agree with you that sin is sin, and, and to repent of it, to forsake it in your strength. Lord, that you hear our prayer, uh, that you, you be of a mind to hear our prayer and to answer our prayer as blessings, as blessings for obedience uh, to you. Understanding this, God has no pleasure in wickedness. Now, look at verse 4. Uh, David uh, begins to pray about his enemies. That's really what's the, what the context uh, would dictate. He's praying about our, his enemies and, and turning over his concerns to God and um, you know, parking, parking this with the Lord. He says in verse 4, he says, Lord, for thou art not a God that has pleasure in wickedness. God has no pleasure in wickedness. Remember that, please. We're here for God's pleasure, not our own, uh, and God has no pleasure in wickedness. In Malachi 2, in verse 17, uh, the Bible says, Ye have wearied, Malachi said, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? And the answer, Malachi's answer is, When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, 
and he delighteth in them. That's not true. Uh, people who do evil uh, are, are wearisome to the Lord. People who call evil good are wearisome to the Lord. The Lord does not delight in evil, and he does not delight in those that would label wickedness, sin, as good. Uh, God has no pleasure in that. It's, it's wearisome uh, to him. And uh, in fact, it's sin. He has great wrath against that. Uh, God has no pleasure in wickedness. Next part of verse 4 says, Neither shall evil dwell with thee. Now again, in context, in historical context, it seems that he's praying about his enemies. And David's reminding himself, hey, those wicked ones, uh, those that have come against me, those that have deposed me and pursued after me, God has no pleasure in their wickedness. Uh, neither shall they dwell with the Lord. He, David prays that in verse 4, neither shall evil dwell with thee. He goes on in verse 5, he says, the foolish shall not stand in thy sight. And he says to the Lord, thou hatest all workers of iniquity. These are tough verses. These, these are not easy verses. Well, some of it might be easier. Uh, David writes, um, Lord, neither shall, thou, uh, shall evil dwell with thee. Understand that. Uh, there's not going to be any uh, sinners whose sin has not been covered by the blood of Christ that will come in the presence of the Lord in heaven. I understand that. Uh, if, I, if I had not uh, pled the blood of Christ, if I had not come to Christ, placing my faith in him and his shed blood, uh, I would not be saved and would not be admitted into the presence of God in heaven. That's a fact. And it's true for anyone who would reject that way of, of forgiveness. In verse 5, David continues, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. He had these foolish people coming after him. <coughs> foolish, uh, how? Uh, well, no doubt here, the fool here uh, is the one that rejects the Lord's offer of salvation, the one who continues in wickedness. Uh, in Psalm 14 and verse 1, the Bible says, The fool hath said in his heart, there's no God. That's foolish. To deny the existence of God is profoundly foolish. All you have to do is look out the window and see the beauty and complexity of nature. It demands a designer. All you have to do is look at your hand and see the, the wonderful complexity uh, of, of your hand and all the things that have to work together perfectly uh, to know that there's a God. There's a designer. Uh, he's a good God, and all that he uh, created was good uh, before the curse. Uh, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there's no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. Uh, there's none that doeth good. Well, I understand that. Uh, that's fools say in their hearts, there, there's no God. And so no doubt David is referring here to those who in their foolishness have uh, rejected God, rebelled against him, uh, and God's man. And, and David's praying, God, you know who these people are. Uh, God, I, I, he's building up to praying, God, I, I know that you'll deal with them. And he prays, in fact, that they will. Now, the second part of verse 5 is hard. Uh, it's, it's hard. In this context, David continues praying to God, Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. David prays to God, God, I know that you hate, uh, you hatest all workers of iniquity, all sinners. Now, that, that's, that's a difficult uh, phrase uh, because we have other verses, Brother Ray, like John 3.16 that talk about God's love for sinners, right? Uh, John 3.16 makes it clear that the Lord loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for us. 
precisely because we are sinners, that God loves us for, <laughs> enough to do that. Yet here in Psalm 5, verse 5, second part of that verse, David prays, Lord, thou hatest all workers uh, of iniquity. How can you reconcile? Uh, how can you reconcile these two ideas? Well, uh, I think we can reconcile it um, by understanding some things about the grammar here. Uh, verse 5, that, that part of verse 5, well, the first part of verse 5. The first part of verse 5 says this, The foolish shall not stand uh, in thy sight. Well, when would that be? When would anyone stand in God's sight? Well, the first opportunity perhaps would be uh, at the judgment. <laughs> I will stand before Christ as a believer at the judgment seat of Christ, being judged not for my sin, but for my service. Uh, there may be some tears about my uh, failures <laughs> in, in service. Lord will wipe them away and will be okay because of his blood which covered my failures. Others, others who have rejected Christ while living this side of heaven will be resurrected at the end of the millennium at the great white throne judgment uh, and will face the judgment of Christ not for their service but for their sin and quite literally will not be able to stand uh, in the sense that they'll not be permitted to remain in his sight or in his presence. Uh, that is when the foolish one who rejected the Lord, who rejected the Messiah, who rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, will stand before him and not be permitted to stand um, or to remain in his sight. So verse 5 would, would seem to allude to that future historically future context of the judgment uh, of the lost. At that point, in that context, uh, it would seem to be the case that the Lord um, expresses a hatred for the sin and, and the sinner. I understand there's a wrath, which God always has at sin, uh, and a justice, but a hatred that then is imposed uh, upon the sinner as well. That's a difficult idea because God is a loving God uh, and he, he's a God of perfect love. But at that point in time when the, the sinner, the lost one, is beyond any hope of being reconciled to the Lord, they experience a wrath, a just wrath, um, a hatred of sin, hatred of the sinner, uh, at that point, and I believe uh, on, biblically only at that point in time. Listen, uh, up until the point that a sinner draws his or her last breath, they have the opportunity to be saved, to know uh, practically the love of God uh, expressed at the cross and to enter into a loving relationship with God the Father uh, through God the Son. Uh, so the love of God is still available to people this side of heaven until they draw their last breath. But uh, it would seem to be the case, verse 5 is teaching, that uh, that love is no longer uh, available uh, to that, that lost person when salvation is no longer an opportunity to them, and that would be at the great white throne judgment. That's a difficult thing. 
uh, Lord, if we don't have that quite right, you know, show us that, uh, correct us. But uh, I believe that would be the best way to understand a verse like uh, verse 5 and to reconcile it with New Testament verses uh, like John 3.16. So I would encourage you uh, to consider that. By the way, it's not, it's not the first and only place in Scripture that the uh, Bible talks about uh, the Lord hating a sinner. Uh, Romans 9.13 says, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau uh, have I hated. Well, you could say he, he only hated the sin of that man, but um, Esau, um, uh, Esau is now dead. He, he's deceased and no longer has the opportunity to be saved. And so uh, the, the loving opportunity of salvation is no longer available uh, to him. That's, that's a difficult truth. That's a difficult truth um, if we understand that correctly, <laughs> if we understand that correctly. Anyway, let's move on here. David, uh, a, a man who, who knew the love of God and, and a man of great faith, uh, a man of great faith, um, took comfort in the truth that God uh, would judge his enemies, uh, his enemies, for example, who had lied about him. Verse 6, he says, Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. That's lies. Uh, the Lord will abhor to loathe or detest or to hate the bloody uh, and deceitful man. God hates sin. He, he, he ultimately will hate those that carry it out, but uh, his love is still available to us again, this, uh, this side of the grave. Uh, David says, thou shalt destroy them. The unrepentant liar uh, will ultimately be destroyed by the Lord. We talked about this word destroy in scripture many times, and this is not necessarily a Bible study or Sunday school class, but understand, please, be reminded tonight, please, that the word destroy has the idea not of loss of conscious existence in hell, but rather the loss of well-being. Uh, the loss of well of spiritual well-being. Uh, no one will be, um, no one's life will be uh, conscious existence. Let me say it that way. No one's conscious existence will be extinguished in hell. Uh, when those who are in hell today are resurrected to the great white throne judgment after the millennium, um, they'll be cast into the lake of fire they will not suffer the loss of conscience existence. Uh, they will be destroyed there in the sense that they will have lost any hope of anything better than that. Uh, they will have suffered the destruction of well-being, to say the least. Uh, they, will, they will suffer uh, the destruction of well-being and a permanent state uh, of perdition, uh, of destruction, of punishment. Uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth and all the language that, that you're familiar with uh, in hell. Boy, we, we need to help people avoid that. Amen? Uh, we need to get the gospel out to whomever will listen. Please don't assume tonight that someone might not listen. Don't let the devil tell you, oh, don't bother with so-and-so. They won't listen. Pray and go. Pray and go. Uh, pray and go. Share the gospel. <laughs> Let God show you that he can supernaturally open ears and open eyes to the word of God. And if we'll do our part, he still does 
his part. He opens eyes and ears uh, to the gospel, sometimes when you would least expect it. And he supernaturally convicts and gives faith, sometimes when you would least expect it. Please don't forget that. He saved us when others might have thought, you know, I don't think that person will ever be saved. <laughs> he saved us and he can save others, but they're gonna need to hear the gospel in order to be saved. Uh, that is absolutely clear from scripture. There's no other way that a man, a woman, a child can avoid hell, uh, at least so someone who, uh, not getting into age of accountability and, and, and all of that. <laughs> There's no other way for a person to avoid hell, uh, a person who's lost because of sin, uh, an unrepentant person who's lost because of their sin. There's no other way except someone share the gospel with them. Uh, let's please remember that tonight. And please, uh, Lord, give us a heart. Give us uh, strength and grace and a will and confidence and boldness uh, in you uh, to do our part. So David is praying against the wicked here. He's taking his concerns about them to the Lord in prayer. And then in verse 7, he he comes back to himself. He says, but as for me, uh, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy and in thy fear, in fear of you, Lord, will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lord impressed a thought on my heart uh, as I was thinking about this verse. Uh, and this is what I wrote in my notes. I wrote, David could come to the Lord because of God's mercy. David did come to the Lord because of his fear of God. Let me say it again. Uh, David could come to God because of God's mercy. David would come to God because of his fear of God. And we can do the same. Uh, we praise God for his grace and his mercy. Praise God that he treats us better than we deserve. That's grace. Praise God for his mercy. Uh, that means he withholds the punishment that we do deserve. Grace and mercy are two sides of the same coin. Uh, David could come to God because of God's mercy. So can we because of grace and mercy. He did come to God repeatedly as a man of faith because of his fear of God. Of course, he had a fear of man. I understand we're, we're called not to fear man, but you know, practically speaking in the flesh we do. But putting that aside, he had greater fear of God. He understood that God wanted him to bring his cares and concerns and difficulties and trials to the Lord in prayer so that God could intercede in his life and show himself, reveal himself to David and to others uh, and to receive glory for himself in that. God will allow trials into our lives at, in part for the same reason. He's glorified as he allows trials that grow us and give him opportunity to reveal himself, to show himself uh, in trials. He's glorified in that. God, if you want to use me that way, okay. Uh, okay, I don't, necessarily, uh, I don't necessarily look forward to the difficult parts of that, but Lord, I give myself to you to be used any way that you desire. And I pray for brothers and sisters in Christ that we would, we would all do the same. Uh, verse 8, in contrast to his wicked enemies, David desired to be led by God. He came to God for comfort and protection, and he also came to God asking God to lead him. Verse 8, he says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. In Psalm 25 and verse 4, 
the psalmist prayed, Lord, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Later on, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3 and verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge, know him, look to him, and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 3 and verses 5 and 6, those two verses that I just read, um, also incorporate a condition. We've been looking at some of these conditional blessings. Um, Solomon prayed, in, thy, in, thy, in all thy ways, this is a command, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The word acknowledge, the underlying word, has the idea of knowing or looking to. And it's a conditional promise here. If The promise is this. If we will look to the Lord uh, for direction, for guidance, he will direct us uh, and guide us. It's a condition. We don't just get it uh, unless we look to him and ask him for it. You don't just get it. You don't, you don't get direction from a map unless you look to the map. Uh, you don't get direction from your GPS unless you plug into the address and look to it, tell it where you're going, uh, or where you want to go at least. You don't, you don't get directed by those things unless you pick them up and look at them. Well, we don't receive direction from the Lord either unless we look to him to know his guidance. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't guide yourself. Your understanding will be wrong. Instead, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, know him, look to him, and then he shall direct thy paths. David understood that. He probably taught that to Solomon. He understood that. And so he said, lead me, verse 8, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Yes, because of mine enemies. I need, Lord, as you've allowed this trial, I see that I need you to lead me. He says, make thy way straight before my face. David continued to pray about his enemies. Verse 9, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward parts very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. He, he, he just takes all these concerns about his enemies to the Lord. And then in verse 10, he prayed against them. He said, destroy them. There again, that word, destroy them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they've rebelled against thee. David recognized that Absalom rebelled against him. Absalom, David's son, rebelled against David. But the greater concern was that he'd rebelled against God. You know, people will come against you for whatever reason. But very often in doing that, your greater concern should be they're rebelling against God. People rebel against pastors and pastors preaching and teaching. But if the pastor has preached and teached the word of God, what it actually says, and people rebel against the pastor, they're not rebelling against the pastor as much as they're rebelling against God. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Pastors have to keep that in mind, I promise you. Um, but listen, everybody needs to keep in mind that you rebel against Bible preaching and teaching, you're rebelling against the Lord more than against the pastor. Lord, help us, help us to bear that in mind. David understood that those that rebelled against him were rebelling against the Lord more than anything. In Psalm 70, David's, David prayed, Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion uh, those that desire my hurt. He just kept praying, God, you protect me. 
you protect me from those that have come against me and you. Well, David prayed for blessings uh, for himself, but, but really more literally for others. And the last couple of verses, we'll read them quickly and, and we're done. Gone a little long here, but we're, we're done. Um, still in the heart, in the heat of the trial, David has turned his attention from himself to his Lord, taking all of his concerns about his enemies to the Lord and trusting God to protect and to give him all that he needs. He's trusting the Lord to do that. And we also see here that although he might have been tempted to just focus on himself and his own situation, his attention is really turned to um, encouraging um, others in the things of God and praying for them. One man wrote that he sees a, a shepherd-like concern uh, in David's heart for others, even in the midst of great trials. David's heart was to focus on God and to focus on encouraging others. In verse 11, he says, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. He's praying for other people now. He's praying, God, I'll put my trust in thee and I, and I trust you to meet my needs. And then he starts praying for other people. He says, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them, uh, let them ever shout for joy because thou, Lord, defendest them. David's not praying for himself here, a coward anywhere in, in fear. He's done his business with God, and he's known God's blessings. Uh, and now he turns his attention to praying for others. Well, praise God. You know, that'll change some things. When, when you're in a difficult place, uh, if you'll pray and ask God to help you, and, and then just start praying for others who might be uh, in the same place, that'll change some things. God will bless you for that. The, the, the Lord is showing this heart in David's life uh, as an example for us. And uh, again, I'll say God makes possible uh, what he shows us in his word uh, that he desires. Let all those that put their trust in thee, Lord, rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Second part of verse 11, he says, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Uh, you know, there's, there's rejoicing and joyfulness here. Uh, David says, Lord, if, if there's conditions here, right? If people will put their trust in you, Lord, bless them with rejoicing. Lord, if, if people choose to love you, uh, to love your name, bless them with joyfulness. Uh, again, conditions, blessings for righteousness. David is praying that God would bless others for their right decisions. Put your trust in the Lord and, and know rejoicing. Love him, love his name, and know joyfulness. And then finally, verse 12, and we're done here. He says, for thou, Lord, wilt bless, wilt bless the righteous with favor, unmerited grace, unmerited favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. What an amazing thing that in the midst of that struggle, David's eyes were on the Lord, and having known the Lord's comfort 
and blessings, he began to pray for others, that God would bless them who did right before the Lord. That others in difficulties, if they would place their trust in the Lord and, and just love the Lord with obedience in their lives, God would bless them. That is a shepherd's heart. Um, that's the heart that pastors should have. Pray for your pastor, please. Pray for my heart. And um, pray that God give you the same heart. Pray that God give brothers and sisters in the church the same heart. Um, hearts to pray for each other. Uh, hearts that um, we pray for each other's obedience such that God be able to bless brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we need those blessings. And we understand tonight, once again, those blessings for obedience rejoice the Lord. They please him and bring him honor and glory. What a privilege. What a privilege to be able to be enabled by the Lord to lead a life that is not only good for us, that will be uh, uh, an occasion for God to bless us uh, in his power, his strength, but also to rejoice him uh, and to bring praise, honor, and glory to him. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that makes that all possible. I'll pray tonight that if you're not sure that you've turned to him from sin and said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I turn from that and I turn to you tonight and I place my faith in you for forgiveness of sin. And I ask you to save me. If you've never made that decision, I urge you tonight, I implore you uh, tonight to make that decision. Uh, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, the Bible teaches that uh, if we'll turn away from sin and turn toward Christ, uh, our sins will be blotted out. They'll be forgiven. Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, that you may be forgiven. Uh, uh, in Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent, repent, turn to Christ. Uh, place your faith in him. Be baptized. You don't need to be baptized for forgiveness of sin, but you do need to be properly, biblically baptized to be obedient to God and to know his blessings. And boy, if you haven't been properly, biblically baptized uh, since you've been saved, uh, don't, don't let yourself walk around wondering why God's not blessing you uh, the way that you'd like to be blessed. And I, I say this in love, I promise you. Uh, you need to understand that until you've been obedient in the first thing, the, ba the most basic things, um, God may bless you, but we have no right. <laughs> we have no right to those blessings. He blesses obedience, and he makes it possible. He makes it possible to obey him. In Romans 10, verse 9, Paul writes that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the consequence of our sin, a very real hell. I'll pray tonight that if you have never made the decision to turn to Christ and to place your faith in him, he went to the cross and, and paid the price for your sin. He paid the price that each of us deserves to pay in hell so that we would not have to if only we would turn to him and receive him by grace through faith. Place your faith in him for what he has done. Uh, I pray tonight that you've made that decision. If you've not, I urge you, I urge you, I implore you, I beg you 
Make that decision tonight. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus died for me. I turn from all this ick in my life and I turn to Christ and uh, I place my faith in him to be the only basis for forgiveness. Lord, I, uh, I, I, I come to Christ tonight and I ask you to be my savior. Save me, please. You can, you can be sure tonight he will. He will. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for uh, Psalm 5. Thank you tonight for David's uh, testimony of you being a God who hears and answers prayer. Thank you for his example of faithful prayerfulness and worship, uh, even in the face of the most difficult trials. Lord, I know tonight we can do the same because of Christ, our Savior who makes that possible. Lord, I know tonight that as we do that, we'll know a great comfort from you, blessings from you. Lord, I know tonight that as we do that, you'll be pleased. Uh, you'll be blessed. What a privilege. What a privilege, Lord, for us to be used of you that way. And so, Father, I pray tonight, give us a heart to turn to you in the face of difficulties. Lord, if there's someone tonight who's going through a hard time, a difficult trial, and they've turned away from you rather than toward you, I pray tonight that you'll help them, that you'll um, call them back to you uh, into a close walk with you. Lord, help us to understand that, you know, if we've been saved, we're still saved. <laughs> and, and we can always turn back to you and walk closely with you again. Uh, Lord, I pray tonight if someone has responded wrongly to a trial, yes, burden them of that, convict them of that, uh, but I pray that conviction would lead them to you, to confession, to agreement with you. I've responded to a trial wrongly. Lord, rather than drawing closer to you, I've drawn away from you. I confess that tonight. I, I, I come back tonight, Lord, and I, and I confess that. I ask you for grace, for strength tonight to turn back to a close walk with you, bringing my cares and concerns and difficulties to you in prayer with thanksgiving, that I would know your peace, uh, a, plea, a peace that uh, will be a great blessing to me, but will also bring you honor and glory. Lord, I thank you tonight that we can do that because of Christ and because of him alone. Lord, I thank you again tonight for my brothers and sisters in Christ, for my church family. I love them and I thank you for them. I pray tonight you help me to be the most loving pastor that I can be. I pray tonight that you help them, Lord, to be as loving as they possibly can to each other. Uh, not in tongue, not in word, but in deed and in truth. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. I pray tonight, Lord, as we take up what, those things that we've seen today and obey them in your strength and your grace, that you'd bless each one with joy and rejoicing. Lord, that you lift our countenance. <laughs> Give us uh, peace and joy and rejoicing as a blessing from you. Lord, I pray tonight that as you do, that we would be quick to thank you and desire that you would be glorified in that. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.